Hey, boys and girls. It's your favorite fat man at the front desk, Jason Modcast founder David K. Montoya, and I interrupt this fantastic, stupendous podcast with these important messages. Starting February 2nd, the Jason Modcast network is going to be black. It's going to be black for the following 27 days. That's right. For the entire month of February, we're going black. Uh, and But we will be back March 1st. Uh, we've got some things that we need to get caught up on, you know, with the holidays behind us now. It's just time to get caught up. And, you know, plus I'm working on this little cartoon thing. It just kind of played a little bit of my attention. Not, not a little big deal. But for an added bonus, though, two shows will continue to go on, even though the rest of, of the other podcast shows are going to be going black. On Tuesdays, the boys from the Great White North, the movie Madhouse, will be continuing to run their regular show and then as an added bonus Fridays you'll get to hear my fat ass talk for a little while as we go and we enjoy the flashback Fridays and then like I said February 2nd to February 28th no added shows that means no scene red no uh, tree frog expose cafe or who's the boss what we think uh, don't get us started. So those shows will be returning. Then on March 1st, which is a Saturday, we start things right back up with what we think. And then from then until next year, we'll be running straight and smooth. So I just wanted to give you folks a heads up. And just to let you know, because we got some time before February 2nd, but I don't want you going to your favorite iTunes or your Stitcher trying to find a new podcast and like what happened so there you go all right that's it from this end this is your favorite fat man at the front desk david k montoya and now enjoy this fantastic jason modcast show and now enjoy this free jason modcast show not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. <laughs> David K. Montoya, S.A. Burbank Podcast. We're S.A. Burbank, David K. Montoya Podcast. <laughs> it's the game plan, yeah. The, uh, the show. Let's pick it up, let's pick it up. Let's actually make some. And see, I came up with more. Google it. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. It's Monday night, so let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am Miss Sadie Burbank. Well, let's just jump right into it, because I really don't have a whole bunch to say, but okay. I, I was kind of curious, your interpretation, you saw Fast and the Furious 6. Uh-huh. And, of course, that's Paul Walker's final Fast and Furious right. film. Sadly, it is. Now, have you seen the other five? Uh, Off and on, yeah. It was kind of weird to me because, um, not to spoil the, you know, okay, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Uh, one of the things they're doing in this movie is they discover, uh, Letty, who is, uh, Vin Diesel's wife in the previous movies. Okay. Well, as I remembered, I thought, <clears throat> I thought his wife got shot in their house at the beach. And they buried her. But that could have been a different movie with him in it, right. too. Because they said in this movie that uh, something else happened. I forget what. But she she died some other way. Uh, and But she didn't really die. They 
Yeah. But anyway, um, so I got a little confused with that in terms of my recollection. Um, but in terms of story, yes, content. This is, you know, this is something these things are not necessarily widely famous for. You know, <laughs> right? Seriously, <laughs> folks. Um, and uh, to me, they're kind of like circuses. Uh-huh. You've seen one. You've seen them all. Wrong. Right. Uh, car chases, they're cool, you know, the, the, the fighting, and that's pretty much what they do in these movies. And so that's, you know, I, it, it, I, I would not be able, if that's where you're going, I wouldn't be able to compare uh, this one to previous ones necessarily. Okay. Not with any accuracy at all. But... um. I was telling Lacey about it on the way home from the gym this afternoon, and I said that the thing that is weird to me about the attraction of these movies, okay, right. first I like most of the guys that are in it, and okay. I find them appealing, um, and you can take that however you want, uh, and the women are also appealing in terms of they're usually strong, determined women who don't right. mind kicking butt. Uh, and I like that. I like to think I, if I was younger and stronger, I would be that. Um, but <laughs> having said that, um, well, there, there's this one scene where they're in a plane. Okay. This, this C-130 jobber. Right. Uh, I think that's the number. The one that, you know, you can haul houses in. You yeah. Know, big, 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 big plane. Um, it, hits the runway because um, the idea is that the bad guys are going to drive their cars into the back end of the transport plane. Okay. And it's going to take off and they're going to get away with their booty, whatever the hell it was. And <clears throat> However, the good guys are chasing them. Right. And so they also drive in the back end of the car. And, and in addition to that, they also <laughs> do this thing where it's kind of strange. They I don't know how they did it, but they manage somehow to uh, throw cables and things around parts of the plane and around their cars. And so this plane has got like five or six cars hanging off of it, the object being to make it so heavy it can't get off the ground again. Okay. Now, all this is going on while this plane is running down the runway, okay? It's, it's, it's come down to land, but it, it doesn't intend to stop. It's just going to do a running landing and take off again, right? Right. And and so there's a good ten minutes of this activity going on <laughs> while the plane is still. I told her I said this is the longest fucking runway in the world. <laughs> I mean seriously. And uh, and so then they get in there, the ones that are supposed to be in the plane, and then they start having a fight. Okay, the bad guy and Vin Diesel, and then uh, Dwayne Johnson and and another bad guy, and they're pounding on one another. You know, and they can do that real good because these guys have got. Uh, they got biceps bigger than my head. You right. Know, they're humongously strength, uh, strength, strong. And the bad guy is not necessarily. He's just really bad, but he doesn't have like, you know, he's he's, he's not a wrestler. So body. not a Vin Diesel right. or a Dwayne Johnson, but he gives tit for tat. Okay, he gets hit, he hits back. They get hit, they hit back, and and this goes on and on. And then every once in a while, we go outside and see what's hanging off the plane. <laughs> And who and how that's working, you know, and how many people are getting shot. And for a while there, because it's dark and everybody's driving sort of the same color car, you really can't tell who's who. Right. You know, except when they do a close up of 
one of the guys and you go, oh, that's so-and-so. I, I recognize him, you know, and, and if you don't recognize them, I guess you figure they're the bad guy's group, you know, their crew or whatever you call them. Anyhow, so then it goes back inside and they're still pounding, you know, and then there's lurching of the plane that goes on and there's uh, cargo that shifts, you know, and you think, oh, good, that's done now. They're all done. But no, they managed to come back and they're pounding on each other. And I, at one point I told her, I said, don't these guys have any balls? He says, what do you mean? I said, why doesn't somebody kick somebody in the fucking balls and stop the fight? What is this about? You know, if you're going to, if you're really fighting to the death, right. and that's what they're doing, they're fighting to the death, right. okay, then, you know, what is, I know there's a camera there. You, All the people watching it know there's a camera there because we're watching a movie. Right. But theoretically, they aren't supposed to know there's a camera there. They're supposed to be fighting to the death. Why aren't they killing each other? What's with the pounding and the back and the forth, you know, and it's like, uh, it's they're just it's a self perpetuating fight is all it is, and after so much pounding, it gets to be boring <clears throat> right. to my female mind, anyhow. Because like I said, the object of the fight is to kill the guy, right? And if you can't kill him, kick him in the nuts. I, it's real simple, but they never do. They uh, fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And fight. And so that got kind of. It actually know. sounds comical. Well, it it, it would have been if it wasn't, you know. I mean, there were some good sound punches landed. Uh huh. You know, some some stuff. You know, and the guy'd be down, and you're sure he's out for the count. You know, but no, he pops up like a little spring. You know, bing, I'm back. You know, and it it it, it was not in any sense realistic. And so I tell myself, well, it's not really supposed to be because if you've seen the, if you've seen the uh, the driving things, you know, they're driving down the road in in impossible situations. Ernie said, "Where's all the pedestrians? Oh, wait, they're on the side watching the movie." Yes, I get it, <laughs> but they're, you know, they're driving, and at the end they have this little tiny disclaimer, you know, in minuscule writing, and it says, you know, dangerous cars don't do this in a home, you know, that kind of shit. Right, right. But. Um, it, it, um, oh, and then there's this one, one part was comical. The guy, the bad guy has a tank inside another car. It was kind of like, uh, a poor man. You know how the, the, the transformers do, you know, they, yeah. they transform, you know, hence the name. You're talking to an 80s kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay. So it, it was kind of like that because they're driving this odd shaped, bulky, big, basket of a car or vehicle down the freeway and then all of a sudden uh they burst out of it with a tank you know and this tank comes exploding out of this vehicle because something happened to the vehicle it was um messed up so they couldn't drive it anymore but no they're not done yet beaten they come out with this tank you know and it's got a 15 foot long cannon oh, sticking out of it seriously <laughs> and they're driving and then the, the bad guy who is seriously bad he decides, I think it would be fun if we drive down the other side of the road and see how many people we can smash with our tank. You know, I mean, almost literally, that's what he said. So the, And she's all, no, you can't. And he's all, yes, I can. No, you can't. You know, so he does. He drives across the you know freeway. And so he's driving into oncoming traffic. And as many of them as he can, he's smashing. He's smashing them. Uh, with the tank. <laughs> we have help. 
he's he's smashing the cars with the tank. I mean, really badly. Right. You know, like, bam, right into him, and then driving over him. You know, so that he leaves this squashed little dead person and squashed little dead car. You know, and he's having he's laughing. He, you know, his evil maniacal laugh. You know, <laughs> and I don't know how many people he killed that way. Fifty, maybe. You know, just driving and doing. And she's all, how can you be doing this? And, oh, it's fun, it's fun. You know, it was, it was that part was almost comical. And, and then there was one really great shot where Letty, she was, she, okay, Letty, um, they, everybody thought she was dead. The bad guy came in, found out she wasn't dead, but she had no memory. So he figures this is good because she's hot and she's tough. And she doesn't know who she is, so I'll keep her. Right. You know, and so he got her working for the bad guys. Well, then somehow or other she decided that was dumb. And so she's almost switching to go to be with the good guys again. And But Vin Diesel knows who she is, and so he's protecting her and all that stuff. Well, at one point, um, the bad guy gets pissed at her, I think, and he fixes it so she's in a vehicle where she can't survive, and so... Somehow or other, she gets flung out of this vehicle. Oh, no. Oh, no. He tells her to jump, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Vin Diesel says, jump. I'll catch you. <laughs> you know, she's going this way. He's going that way, 100 miles an hour. And, and so she does, like a fool. <laughs> I mean, are you fucking kidding? But anyway, she jumps and he jumps. You know, so they're like midair. Um, you know those the parts of freeways where there's like no median; it's just down to the right, next level. Right, right. Okay, it's like open spaces. Yeah. They're they're she, she's coming from this side, he's coming from this side, and they meet, and he grabs her. Right. Right. And you figure, okay, well, they're gonna die together, and that will make them happy. But no, he they manage <sighs> somehow. He gained momentum back in his direction. I mean, they wouldn't have because, you know, she's going like this, he's going like that. He's a heavier body. If anything, they'd have gone on her side. But right. anyhow, they go back on his side and he lands on a car against the windshield with his back clutching her and saves the day. Okay. Which it was really cool. It was, it was a great CG shot as uh -huh. far as CG goes. But <clears throat> later she goes, how did you know the car was going to be there? Yeah. And I'm like, was in the script. <laughs> How do you? What do you? Anyway, um, so it was. It was. Um, it was about what you'd expect out of a Fast and Furious. The main reason I wanted to watch it was I wanted to see if uh, Mr. Walker was as good an actor as I remembered that I thought he was, and uh -huh. he was. He was a very good. He did a good job. He was believable as his character. It's a loss to the industry for sure that he's gone. Uh, ironic that he went in the way that he did. Yes, but, very. Um, yeah, if I wouldn't spend money on the movie, but you know, I guess in a way I did because we got it from Netflix. You know, we right. pay them what ten bucks a month, and we get as many right movies as we want out two at a time forever. So technically, I did spend money on it. But actually, Ernie ordered it, not me. Uh, and I did spend time watching it. And it, you know, it wasn't all that bad. I've seen way worse. Way, way worse. You know. Plus, I like Vin Diesel. I mean, he's okay. He can't do anything wrong. No? Yeah, he's good. Dwayne Johnson, not so much. He's a little pinheaded looking. I shouldn't say that on air. But, he, I mean, his head looks a little small and pointy. 
for the rest of his body to me. It's just me. Just me. Just me. He's really bulked up. I mean, because, you know, I was a wrestling fan. I'm, uh, can I use was? For the most part, I think I can use was. I'm not really big into wrestling. Yeah. And compared to what he used to look like when he wrestled as The Rock. Yeah. To the way he looks now. Yeah. He's just completely, and I could be completely wrong, but he looks like he's really roided up. Yeah, you know? maybe he did. I don't know because I don't know him from before. Um, and and he's fairly decent. I mean, he he makes his character believable. I don't I don't know if he could do that with characters that weren't in that genre. Right. You know, where Vin Diesel can, in my opinion, I've seen. You know, Pitch Black's one of my faves. Um, and um, and he definitely can uh, portray different characters. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know that you know. And I've seen several different Dwayne Johnson movies too. But um, yeah, I don't know. He's okay. He's he's just not as hot to me as Vin Diesel. <laughs> I like Vin Diesel. <laughs> Lacey and I have a thing for Vin Diesel. We both like him. Yes, so, I, I'm I'm well aware. Of well Lacey. aware of her thing for him. Yeah, yes. I know. It's like Ernie. He knows all my <clears throat> all my beloveds in the industry. But you know, I mean, the, it was okay movie. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad movie. It really wasn't. It was just a little long in the in the fight, fight scenes the, yeah. and and some of the car scenes. <clears throat> you know, you get. It's fun to watch those things because they're impossible. Right. You know, so that you, you can sit there and go, wow, that'd be cool if you could really do it, you know, at my age. Unfortunately, kids that are 15, 16 years old go, oh, that's cool. I think I'll try it, you know. Hello, right. jackass, wrong. But, uh, well, like what I said, there's do? a disclaimer at the end, you know, if they bother to stick around and read it, then they go, sure, right. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. But it's okay. I've seen two movies. And I actually, I think I'm going to start with the movie. Now, you've known me for, we're going on 11 years now. Mm. And it is very hard for me to, what's the word I'm looking for? I wasn't insulted. I was offended. Mm. And it was just the offense level actually kept me watching. Really? Yes. What, what was this? It was called God Bless America. Hmm. Who's in it? Just it was it was a like I think it was a Line Gate movie, but it was pretty much unknown actors. Yeah. And it, it starts with this man. He's laying in bed, and he's obviously he's he's in the bedroom, and he can hear uh, a baby crying. And they shoot over to the next you know next room, and you find out you know he's in the apartment. And they have paper thin walls. Mm -hmm. And he's laying there, and he's talking about his insomnia and how he don't feel good, and blah blah blah. And then he goes into this daydream as it were and it, it shoots to him and while he's daydream he grabs a, a shotgun he breaks down next his next door neighbor's door he shoots the husband and he shoots the baby and then he shoots the wife now gee what a nice guy instantly after the point of shooting i'm pretty much erupting the baby with the shotgun i was very offended um as a writer and I think you, you're going to agree with this. As a writer, there's things that you just don't cross. Well, you don't need to. You don't need to. He could have shot the crib legs out or something. He didn't have to shoot the kid. Right. 
And especially not if he's upset. Was he upset because the baby was making noise? Yeah. Move. Which was interesting because <laughs> when I thought. Get another I, apartment. Well, when, when I was watching this and he was talking about, well, they're, they're no good parents and they're just lazy beats and. Oh, well. Okay. And, and I, I was. He doesn't get to be judge and jury. But my, my, my <laughs> thoughts went to. This, and executioner. This screenwriter, whoever's writing this script. Yeah. Is not a parent. Has never been a parent. Well, even if they were, he's not. He's lazy. Yes. He's a lazy writer. You know, it's too easy to write something like that. So that's garbage. Anybody so garbage. he goes to work, and he's having these head headaches. And and in the process of going to work, he's talking to his ex-wife. Wait a minute. <clears throat> okay. Gap. Yes, there is a gap in the movie. Shot the people. That was a fantasy. Oh, he didn't really shoot them. No. Oh, I thought he really shot no, them. No, no, it was a fantasy. He wanted to yeah. shoot them. Well, okay, let me, after he blows the baby into smithereens and he shoots the wife, it shoots back to him, or cuts back to him, laying in bed, and he's got a big old smile on his face, you know, oh, thinking about okay, that. And then it cuts away to him, he's walking down the street, he's in a suit and tie, yeah. he's talking on the cell phone to his ex-wife, yeah. saying that he's demanding to see his daughter. Which his daughter's like, I don't want anything to do with your psycho ass. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, now we, we figured out this point that this guy is the main character in the movie. Interesting enough, he's not a protagonist. He's an antagonist because you don't, you don't like him. I, I did not connect with his character at all through the movie. In fact, I'll jump ahead a little bit and to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done. And I, I leaned up to, to push stop mm -hmm. is when the movie ended. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that long. Mm -hmm. It might have been maybe a little over, maybe 65, 70 minutes total. I think I probably would have pushed it sooner <clears throat> than that, but anyway. So he's, the, the daughter wants nothing to do with him and he's having these headaches and he's in his office and he's talking about American Idol and how people are stupid because, you know, uh, people are just lazy and that's, you know, they, the only reason why you have shows like American Idol is because you get up there and ridicule the people that can't sing. It's not really based on the people that can sing. And he's going back and forth to the guy sitting behind him at his desk. And during this process, he's getting loud. He's yelling. Well, his supervisor comes out, calls him in the office and he gets fired just because of cutbacks in the company. So from that point, he's walking back. It cuts away from him being fired to now he's walking back down the street and he's holding his head. And then all of a sudden it shoots to him sitting in, in this older guy. He's got a cell phone. He's cussing. He's talking. He's ranting. And, and there's no coherent dialogue. He's just like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him. Blow him. You know, and then it cuts to him sitting across the desk from him. And he's just sitting there looking at him. And you're like, what? What's going on? You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I can't read the character's mind. I, I, I'm not psychic. I, I haven't seen the script. I have no clue what's going on. And so after the guy gets done cussing him out, cussing whoever's out on the phone, he hangs up and he's like, okay, um, you have a brain tuber. You're going to die in like six weeks or some shit like that. And he turns the laptop around and shows him this really shitty looking MRI image. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just like, uh, to me, it looked like someone took, you know, a, pulled up MRI of the head image on Google, mm -hmm. took a, an eraser, mm -hmm. you know, erased out a, a white spot so it looked like there's a tumor in the head. 
Well, he said he figured, well, if he's going to die anyway in the next six weeks, he's just going to go on a killing spree. I have seen this movie. You have. Finally got to a part I recognized. Is this where he picks up the girl and takes her on the killing yes. spree with it? Yes, I've seen this movie. I have seen this movie. It was weird. It was. I'll give you that. It was weird. I don't remember that I was offended by it, uh, but I don't remember that much about it. Anyhow, I remember the part about he, for whatever his reasons were, he didn't have anything to lose, and then for somehow he picked up the girl because oh she went and blew somebody away, and so and he watched her do it. Right. And so because it was she blew away somebody she didn't like, and he watched her do it, and so they hooked up and went on a killing spree. Yeah, yeah. and it was just that was a weird movie. You're right. And to be honest with you, it just felt like it was a waste of time. I, I just mm-hmm. felt ripped off. I really yeah, did. Yeah, especially as it does progress. I do remember that it was very bloody at the end. And it uh, and most of the the uh, murders that occurred were sort of pointless to they were, whatever they were story senseless. there was. There wasn't much of a story anyway. It was, you know, it was... I think maybe, you know, to cut him some slack, the author may have been playing with the idea of, well, if you knew you were going to die, you know, what would you do? Right. And I guess some part of his psyche decided it'd be fun to go and kill a bunch of people, whoever he kills, just because nobody can do anything to him because he's going to die anyhow. Which is sort of a fucked way to look at things, you know. If that if that's really something he wants to do, right? And the only thing that's keeping him from doing it is the fact that he's not dying from a brain tumor. Then that's sure somebody I don't want to know too much. <laughs> I don't know. It was just a messed up idea. Another thing that I think because it came out in 2012, um, or was it 2013? Yeah, 2013, we're in 2014. Sorry, folks, I still haven't got oh, the transition, yeah, year either. transition over yet. Me too either. Yeah. So, and there was a part where him and, and the little girl, which that kind of bothered me as well. Yeah, that, that was, that, that was, the little girl was in her teens. Yes. Not a little girl, little to us, but she was, uh, their, their association was questionably appropriate. Right. Um, there was a scene in, a movie theater where they get up and they just start blowing people away. Yeah, yeah. And that was obviously shot before the 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 massacre. You know, when right. Batman came right. out of the massacre. Right. And I was looking, and it was released around probably a month or two after the massacre, the yeah. real massacre. Yeah. And I I thought that was such in bad taste. Yeah, I really did. Yeah. It is, and it, and when they actually filmed it relationship wise to that situation i don't know i don't know how close they came together but it you know as far as i'm concerned it it was it was something that could have wound up on the cutting room floor i think the whole thing no but and that's what i mean the whole thing and nobody would be uh no one could feel slighted <laughs> i know I, I agree with you it was it was offensive and um Ridiculously unnecessary. I think that was it. Yeah. There, I like. I look for a movie, and I'm sure you do too, or or a book, or a play, or whatever, to convey something. In you know, some to give me something to think about that I haven't ever, and right. this didn't. This just 
reaffirmed my uh, distaste for that. And I wouldn't even call that a genre. No. Actually. At least I would hope it's not a genre. You know, well, yeah, you could say, what do they call that? Um, snuff films. Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it's real close to a snuff film in 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 terms of what you get out of it. Now, you know. and, and let me just throw this out here to the listeners, is I'm not opposed to gratuitous violence. I mean, one, oh, of, yeah, my, me one of my favorite movies is Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I love Pulp yeah. Fiction. And it's full of it. Fast and Furious, you know, there's lots of <laughs> pounding going on. Inglorious Bastards, which I actually own that one. I don't, but you know, there's there's lots of anyone can think of any movie that they've ever seen that has that in it, and say, well, you know, it was it seemed right at the time, but this <clears throat> didn't. It didn't convey anything to me now, and it didn't to you. No. And you and I are very alike in many ways, but not necessarily a hundred percent. Right. So, you know, it would be interesting to to hear uh if any of the uh movie crit critics have critiqued this production. It would be interesting to see what they have to say about it. Maybe maybe there's something we're missing. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's let's see where we're at. Did I segue a bit? Uh, you gave me an idea. Okay. okay um, we're going to take a break right here. Okay. We're going to run the commercial right at this point. Okay. And then when we come back, we're going to have some info from, okay. from the critics about oh, this movie. Oh, there you go. Okay. Good idea. Yeah. Okay. So we'll be right back. Okay. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt or non-members 
pick up one of our ebooks for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. And welcome back. Okay, kids, this is what we did. We went and jumped online, and we were looking for uh, reviews of... God bless America. And this one comes from um, Rotten Tomatoes. And the author is Shakya at Twitter. So it's at Shakya. Um, so interesting enough, the title of the movie, like I said, is called God Bless America. And I did not know this, but the director is Bobcat Goldthwait. Really? Yes. The old man, or not the old man, but the older man, uh, the psycho killer is Joel Murray, and the little girl is Tyra Lynn Barr. Now, huh. I I grew up on Police Academy, you know, Bob Bobcat Goldthwait, and that just, that I don't know, that just kind of like... That's surprising. Yes. It's... Do you think he thought he was being funny? Maybe. Maybe that's what it was, is, you know, him trying to be. Yeah. Um, maybe to, you know, to a bizarre extreme. Right. But I think he, maybe he thought he was being, um, you know, uh, subtly funny. Well, in fact, this is what the, the review says. The first line says, extremely violent comedy is tough to pull off. So, yeah. I guess it was trying to be funny about yeah. it. Though yeah. I saw nothing comical at it. I, I didn't. I, I know. It's kind of like my dad and diarrhea. You know, dad's always said, you know, I, I know diarrhea is real, but I don't want to see it in the movies. Exactly. Uh, same thing with murders and, and bloodletting and uh, whatever. <clears throat> you don't necessarily need to see it to prove it as some sort of point. I mean,. This What's is, funny about it? Yeah. You know, aside from it's, okay, it's bloody and, and inappropriate. What's funny about that? I, again, I, I found nothing. I don't, I don't. And interesting enough, I was just kind of scanning, scanning what this, uh, review said. And I think it hits the head on, or yeah, it hits the nail on the head rather. Um, it says extremely violent comedy is tough to pull off. Let's say you've got a main character on a killing spree. 
How's an audience supposed to sympathize with that? A good reason to kill couldn't hurt. I just, you know, I, I don't know. Is there such a thing? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, yeah, if you're, you know, being Protect attacked. Your child. Yeah. Uh, or someone you love, um, you know, which is still self-defense in a way. Somebody else's self-defense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Certainly not. You know, and, and, and when he does the, later on in the movie, when he does the thing where they wind up on the stage of, of the, it's like supposed to be the stage of American Idol, mm -hmm. uh, when he does the, the killing in that. I mean, I suppose there have been times when, some people watch shows like that and think they should all be shot or something of that nature. Maybe that was kind of where he was trying to go with it. Well, let me go I into a little know. bit more because this actually troubles me, the next piece. It says, But generally there are always a rift between the characters through the process and the audience's moral in, and in God Bless America is no different. However... The writer-director, Bobcat Goldthwait. So not only did he direct this piece of shit, he wrote, it. he wrote it. Well, I assumed that. I don't know why, but I just assumed he did write it. However, where writer-director Bobcat Goldthwait succeeds is where the films like Super, which is actually one of the other, other films I was going to talk about tonight, and Hobo with a Shotgun, I didn't see that one, did not, making it the leads highly likable. Leads, as in like lead character. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did not find him highly likable. I, I don't. I don't know. Is there not to not to uh, belittle uh, tomato rotten people tomato. or whatever? Is there a um, more mainstream critic we could get an evaluation of the movie from? Um, well, let's just, let me give you what Rotten Tomatoes breakdown is. Technical, they gave it a B plus. Acting, they gave it an A. Story, they gave it a B plus. Overall, they gave it an A minus. Wow. That's all I say is wow. Um, well, IMV Hoo Hoo liked it too. They gave it a seven and a half or something out of ten. Yes, let's see. I mean, we're playing with... We must be missing the point. I know that... I could call Ernie if you want and ask him if he remembers... I know he remember it. He will remember it. I don't know okay. if he remember liking it or not. Let's go to one of the legends. It just so happens, I scrolled down here, one of the last films, Roger Ebert. There you go. Okay, let's uh, see what reviewed. he says about it. Let's see what he says about it. Um, he to explain his opinions, too, so maybe we can... Or intended to... Let's see what he had to say about it. Oh, and it was done the day after my birthday. This hmm. is sad. Okay, it says, The first half an hour or so, Bobcat Goldthwait, God Bless America, promises so much more than the film is finally able to deliver. Here is a film that begins with merciless comic savagery and descends into merely a merciless savagery. Hmm. But wow... What an opening. Um, it can, let's see, I'm sorry, it's kind of hard to read. It consists of a man watching television and the television he's watching. The man is Frank, Joel Murray. Oh, Bill Murray's brother. I did not know that. Hmm. 
That's why I look familiar. Um, <laughs> his head rests unle- uneasily on a sofa as the screams of a walling baby next door drills through the paper-thin walls. He suffers from migraines. On TV, he sees stupidity and cruelty. The news channels portray an American or America in decay. Such idiotic plagues as Westboro Baptist Church are seen picketing veteran funerals. TV rants are delivered by unhinging commentators. Reality television reduces civilization to the corruption of the worthless consumer trash. And Frank stares in pain at the screen. So he was he was uh, compelled by what he perceived on television anyway as a worthless right civilization. Um, let's see. Let's see. In in that subplot, Golfwing exhibits some of the sharp and perceptive intelligence that often informs the film. I disagree, actually. Turns out the fat kid didn't want to kill himself because... Oh, there must have been a jump in the the reading. Um, yes, there was a heavyset kid who, um, in the movie, he, he went on what... It was a mockery of, of American Idol, and, and he tried to sing, and he couldn't sing. Mm. And... Um, in the later on in the news, it says that they tried. He tried to kill himself because everybody was mocking him. Yeah. But here, um, they're talking about when he gets on stage and he's talking to the the kid. He didn't want to kill himself because people were laughing at him. He wanted to kill himself because he might not be able to get on TV again. Um, let's see. It does, it does seem true that a lot of people will do anything, however humiliating for fame. Hmm. But by that point in the film, the air has gone out of Gulfweight's balloon. Um, what he has created in the name of comic social commentary mm-hmm. is a, an, is an immoral movie about two psychopathic killers killing people they believe deserve to die. As a general rule, that an evil reason for taking someone's life. If we agree that Frank and Roxy, we also agree with people who shoot um, abortion clinics, kids who open fire at their schools, and drivers in the road road rage killings. I see what Gulfweight was trying to do, and agree with many of his uh, complaints about our society. But finally, it becomes important to laugh. So in other words, mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, that I think his he's more articulate in terms of evaluating like he said, he he sees where he was trying to go with it. Uh-huh. And uh, and again, you got to remember it's been at least a year since I've seen this movie. Um not remembering that much about it. Um the the part that I remember most was the part where he uh, shoots up the the TV studio yeah at the and end. the people in it which is pretty much at the end uh, and then she comes in and joins him in the battle and 
Because they had split at one point. She right. went back home or whatever. Because she was supposed to, she told him that she was getting raped and she was being abused at home. And, yeah, and to come to yeah. find out, she was just, she comes from this high class, you know, family, yeah. wealthy, and, and, and that kind of pissed them off. So she came back and, and together they, you know, actually committed suicide is what they did. Essentially. But, yeah. um, I agree with, I agree with, um, Mr. Ebert's evaluation that, you know, however he may have been trying to make a comment about our society, you know, and, and I think any, any thinking person today can pick holes in, in a lot of our society. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that he, I agree with him when he says he misses, he missed the mark in, in terms of keeping it a comedic rather than uh, I think he said obscene. Yes, obscene. Um, evaluation or commentary. I wonder if it's because he didn't have the tools. Well, it could be that. It could be just as simple as him not being able to get out of his mind into words. Right. What he's sensing and seeing and feeling. Um I don't know if he has other writing experience, but um, that's what a writer does. You get something, and I'm, you know, right, no. preaching to the choir here, but that you get something in your head, and uh, it it feels right or good or even bad, but you want to put it on paper, and so you do that. Well, it seems like he had something in his head. But he couldn't get, he couldn't express it in his writing to, to, uh, to mean what he, I think he wanted it to mean. Am I making any sense? Oh, absolutely. You're, you're nailing on the head. I, I, I think it's, it's, maybe he's not, and I don't know who does his material, for, you know, because he used to do stand up comedy. Right. Uh, I don't know who did his material. Maybe he did. And maybe that was part of the appeal of him was that he was sort of, um, he's sort of a, like Stephen Wright, kind of. You know how Stephen Wright's comedy is? You right, know, right. Sort of almost talks, but not quite. <laughs> he almost gets the idea out, but not completely. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe that's what Goldwaith was trying to do and missed the mark. Maybe he can't get it out of his head. Maybe he sees it very clearly in his mind, you know, what he wanted to see in the movie. But maybe he can't get it out of his mind and onto paper. Because I, uh, I, I didn't, I couldn't see anything that he put out that I could agree with, that I could, I, that I could understand. I'm looking at this right here at what he's written. Um, it says Dr. Duck's super secret all purpose sauce, which it was a video. It was just a segment. An evening with Bobcat Golf, Golf Wade. Um, share the warmth. And that was a TV movie. Mm -hmm. Shakes the Clown, which I've never even heard. Happily ever after, or unhappily ever after, a TV series, one episode. Um, he wrote Leaving Van Eyes. 
Well, I don't any of his work, any of his stand-up work that he did. I think one of the things that made him popular was his delivery, mm-hmm. because he has a a really offbeat um, method of delivery of his lines and stuff. You know, the that 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 shaky, timidy, almost gets it out spoken out word right, right. thing. You know that he does. Again, kind of reminds me a little bit of Stephen Wright because Stephen Wright is is very um, soft spoken and and uh, I don't know because I'm not a I'm not a comedian so I can't I don't know the proper terminology to describe his technique. Right. But anybody that's seen Stephen Wright knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you haven't, you should because <laughs> he is funny. He's hilarious. Uh, and so has Goldthwait been hilarious at times. But I think what is hilarious about him is his delivery, just like what the makes timing. Stephen. Yeah, and the same thing with Stephen Wright. His delivery is is what sets him apart. It's actually what sets any of the good, great stand-up comedians apart is their delivery. Right. You know, it's not so much what they say as the way they say it. That's that, and the fact that that somewhere along the line they hit something we can identify with. Right. You know, everybody can identify with uh, marital problems, let's say, or problems in bed, let's say, or um, you know, a thousand different subjects. That uh, that's what the comedians do. They pick, you know, or the politics, political scene, that sort of thing. But what what makes them likable, makes you come back for them, is their delivery. Look at Penn and Teller, for example. Right. You know, I mean, they're, they're a classic example of, of delivery is everything. You know, one guy doesn't say anything, and the other guy is extremely articulate. Right. And doesn't really say anything funny. He just says stuff. You know, has a running commentary, you know, and the guy that doesn't say anything, he's the one that's getting the laughs, that sort of thing. You know, it's all... It's all um, it's all in delivery. delivery. Yes, not so much with a movie. A movie's not you know you're telling you're telling a story in a movie. You you're you're conveying an idea. You're expressing what's in your head about a certain subject, and especially if you're writing it and directing it, you're doing that like the next step would have been acting in it too. Right. You know, he could have been. He could have been the killer. The yeah. guy that Murray was instead. <laughs> you know, um, maybe he even saw himself as that. I don't know, but whatever it was he was trying to express, whatever he had in his head about this subject didn't come across. No, for me, nor me. And and like yeah. I said, it was just. Uh, well. Like I said in the very beginning, you know, once once he pretty much blew up that baby, mm-hmm. you know that I well, and and I not remembering what movie we were talking about. I thought you were saying literally that's what the movie was about this guy that blows up a baby. When in fact it was a fantasy, right, of his. Where you know, we, again, we've all had those fantasies where we thought I'd like to take that person, <laughs> like take him out and you know shred him or you know name it. Um, that part in a sense, is not a big deal to me. It, and I don't know how to, ex- I don't know how to say this so I can explain what I'm thinking. Uh, if he really went out and blew out a baby, blew away a baby uh-huh. with a gun, okay, and the mommy and the daddy, 
that would be excessive to me. The fact that he, it was a fantasy, not so much, because you know going in that it's a fantasy. So it's like... No, you don't know until afterwards. Oh, you don't know until afterwards that it's a fantasy? Yeah, when it cuts back to him laying, still laying in bed. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, because see, like I said, it's been over a year since I saw this movie. Right. And you know me. I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. So, okay. So, yeah, that would be startling, unnecessarily um, obscene. And, you know, I have nothing against... Somebody trying to portray their artistic vision. I, I, and I'm or not, doing something drastic to get right, your attention. Right, I, I get that. I get that too. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. I, and I, I do, when it comes to like, you know, me telling somebody your art is wrong, it, it, it's, I know it's, you, you can't go there. You can't do that. And it, the best you can say is it just didn't work for me. Yeah, because I'm sure there are probably thousands and thousands of people who say, oh, they're so crazy. I love that movie. It was the best movie I ever saw. <laughs> and, you know, good. More power to you. I, it didn't work for me. Because, it didn't work for me. And I think you can agree with me being a writer as well, is rule number one, I mean, literally rule number one, is create a character when you're working in fiction. Mm. Create a character that your audience can ad identify with, whether it be... Right, reading in a book mm. or well, reading yeah, in a you, comic if you want them or to care watching, about them, you, yeah, gotta have, you have to have there a There has to be something that they can go, yeah, I knew a guy like that, or yeah, I'm like that, or but for yeah, me, I want to be like that. There was no, there was nothing that I could identify with with this character. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest turnoff instantly is because, you know, you try to, as a, a viewer in movies, you try to find something instantly to grab onto the main character. Yeah. And once yeah. you can't do that, it's yeah. just all downhill. You know, it's it's funny because it kind of reminds me in a way uh, of uh, Tom, that Tom Hanks movie. Um, fuck. Oh, I'm so bad. My memory. Something about Moon. God damn it. Something about Moon? Yeah, in the title. Something Moon. Mm. Uh, it's one of his earlier works. When he was still a kid. Just Google Tom Hanks movies. Okay. Um, um, what is it about? Uh, he is told by his doctor that he's dying. And he's, uh, it's, it's a little artsy in its delivery. Um, he, he has a, a horrible job and, um, a horrible life and the depiction of that is is beautifully done um, and he decides to uh, leave his job and go off on a cruise okay on a boat <laughs> and Meg Ryan owns the boat in fact Meg Ryan plays several characters in this movie she owns the boat he's gonna go oh I know what it is he has to go and say Abe Vigoda's in this thing, too. Oh, really? Yeah. And he has to, um, somebody contacts him and wants him to go to this island and jump into a volcano to appease the volcano. Oh, Joe versus the... Yeah, Joe versus the, the volcano. volcano. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I have nothing about the moon, except that was one of the scenes in it. 
when he's sitting out on the on the on his raft because the boat blows up. Yeah, that was 1990. Here it is, right yeah. here. He sits out. He's out on a raft in the middle of the ocean, and the moon. Yeah, see how the moon is. The moon is just freaking humongous. It's so big. And that's why it's stuck in my mind as part of the title because it's just really there. Anyhow, uh, he thinks he's dying. Okay. So what he does is he agrees that he's going to go jump in the volcano to save these people because they're running out of people to, to sacrifice to the volcano. And so they're soliciting people to, to, to jump into the volcano. And this guy asks him to do it because, um, he's, I think that's pretty much how it goes. I haven't seen this movie for a while, but I'm pretty sure that's how he gets hooked into the whole thing. And he pays him, you know, I'll give you a bunch of money. You can, you know, you go out in style. Right. You know? You don't have to do it for two more weeks. So you can buy, you spend the money however you want, buy yourself all kinds of clothes and cool stuff. And you can get this yacht. I think he owns the yacht that, or he's got, it's his daughter that owns the yacht or something like that. Anyhow, it's a really a good movie, folks. I'm sorry. I'm just shredding it here. But, um, anyhow, he, he goes to, that's what he does with a, a death verdict. Okay. As a, and it's, and it's hilariously done from beginning to end when, like I said, he has a horrible life, a horrible job, and it, it's depicted perfectly in the movie. I don't know who directed it. Who directed it? You're looking at John Patrick Shanley. Okay. Good for him. Don't know him. Um, who wrote it? Same guy. Okay. Uh, and then here he takes this, this not even a self-sacrificing attitude it's just more like uh well i got nothing else i can do yeah, fuck it <laughs> i'll go jump in a volcano and do a good thing for somebody and i can have a nice trip and a vacation out of it besides you know well of course he falls in love with ryan and a whole bunch of other shit happens but um to compare the two okay here's goldthwaite's goldthwaite's guy who uh, has a death verdict. Right. Interestingly, in Joe versus the volcano, his, his doctor tells him he has a brain cloud. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's all a setup, but you don't know that going into it. Spoiler. I was going to say, alert I alert is a little slow there. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, but I haven't anyhow, seen the movie in, here's, in here's 20 something. Goldthwaite's guy who's got a brain tumor. Right. Okay. He goes out and decides, I think I'll just kill a bunch of people, you know, because I can, because nobody can do anything to me, and because the world is is all fucked up, and maybe by killing people I can straighten them out. Is that what he's going for? I don't know. Honestly, it was never. I don't know. Or you've got Tom Hanks' character, who uh, is Joe, who gets basically the same message. You know, you're dying of a brain cloud. You know, which was a setup, but anyhow, you get you're dying from a brain cloud, and so go jump in a volcano for these people and help them out. You know, right? Plus, they love orange soda. There's a whole thing about them, like, <laughs> well, and there and and Abe Vigoda, it lives on the island. You know, and it, they somehow there was this Jewish colony that lived there for a while or something. I don't know. I can't remember. It's it's a really good movie. It's worth it's yes, really it's worth watching. Any anything got. That's got Tom Hanks in it and Meg Ryan in it. I'm there. Right. Anyhow. Uh, but it's, it's really a cute story from beginning to end. It's, it, it's worth any part of it that's slow. It's worth sticking it out, uh, to, to, 
to to see the the thread sewn right through the story. It's it's beautifully done, I think. Then you know, and but here's like I said, there's basically the same two guys, right? You know, one guy same and they're about the same age. You know, the guy in Goldthwait's movie is a little older, but still, you know, uh, same situation. You're gonna die. You got a brain, you know, irreversible brain thing going on. Here's one guy goes out to as a social commentary. He decides to start killing people. Another guy decides to go jump in a volcano to save help, people, help a bunch of people. So I don't know. You draw your own conclusions. Speaking of conclusions, uh oh, are we done? Yeah, we are. We're <laughs> we are finished. And okay. it's always fun because we sat down and just before I hit the record button, folks, I was like. Uh, what are we going to talk, talk about? about? <laughs> I know we do that and, all the time. And the 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 neat thing is, is when you and I sit down, it doesn't matter. We if, always find something if there's to just talk about. something, you know, if we see a fly buzzing around the room, yep. that's all we need to do is just spark, a commu- yeah. you know, spark the conversation, and yeah. it's and we're off and running. Yeah, that's pretty much the case. So yeah. I I want to hear your thoughts. I want you to go listen, or not listen, but go watch Joel versus, versus the Volcano, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's a good idea. And yeah. then go watch, watch God Bless, God bless America. America. See what kind of hit you get off of both of them. And See then, if we're totally fucked. Like, it sounds like we might be. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I again, I just, I have a hard time saying you, your <sighs> art's not right, but... It's just wrong. I mean, it really, it just feels wrong. Well, unnecessary, I think, might yes. be a good word. It, yeah, okay. It, it's unnecessary. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't, as, as Ebert said, it does not accomplish what it appears he was out to accomplish. Right. At least for you and for me, it didn't. And I'm pretty sure, as I recall, it didn't do much for any either. All right, kids. So drop us an email, what we think at jaselmon.com. Or, well, if you, if we're at yeah, episode 33, if you don't know how to fucking contact us by now, there's something wrong. <laughs> but they might be new listeners. They might be new listeners. They had no idea how to contact us. Well, start back from previous episodes. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> just go to the, the website, jaselmon.com. Click on what we click think. Click on what we think. Click on comment. the comment button and, and it'll take you right there to the email. That's the fastest, easiest way to do it. Because even at this, I just want to know, am I, is something wrong with me? Am, if, have I lost, you know, <laughs> touch with the culture? Because I just, again, I didn't like the movie. Yeah. So let us yeah. know. And besides that, we'd like to hear from you. Absolutely. And we'll read your emails on, on air if you don't object if you do say so we won't all right kids so for this week i am david k montoya and i am sc burbank and wow you most (laughs) definitely heard what we think this week and now you know that's right see you next week good night not what we know because we don't know shit what we think (laughs) david k montoya sc burbank podcast and see, I came up with more. Not what we know, because we don't know shit.